Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Wednesday uh, and, and hanging in there, you guys. We're, we're coming up on another weekend. I know you're stoked. I know it's it's coming quick. It's coming quick. Uh, it's starting to get a little cold here in the Midwest, so everyone say a prayer for me because I don't do well here in the Midwest winters, uh, which seem to start right at the end of uh, September every year, which is just asinine. Asinine! I say. Uh, but we got a great show for you guys tonight. Let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, and my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great custom Break the Cycle 100th episode commemorative shirt with every single guest I had on for the first 100 episodes. It, he really put a lot of time into this, so go check it out. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And, of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your fam- your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at. Much cheaper and much more efficiently. Guys, seriously, if you own a business, check them out. You're not going to be sorry. I'm sure of that. Uh, guys, so over the last uh, several months, you may have noticed... Some Libertarian Party Twitter pages, at least, uh, getting much more based, saying things that, uh, you know, the the regime libertarians or the blue pills, whatever you like to call them, uh, the beltway types are not fond of. Um, you know, inconvenient truths, brash, bold mes- messaging, stuff that we talked about four years ago, wanting to change the Libertarian Party, that that kind of milk toast uh, uh, stuff. And so uh, I decided I would have my good friend, who is the chair of the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, which was one of the first pages I saw start to not tow that regime Libertarian line anymore. Uh, but his name is Randall Daniel. He's a good friend and he is awesome. How you doing tonight, sir? I'm a little congested. As we were talking about earlier, both you and I are dealing with, uh, you know, a little bit of congestion and whatnot. Tis the season, right? Tis the season, man. And, you know, mine's really bad. So if you guys notice me taking a lot of breath through my mouth, it's because I can't breathe through my face, like through this part of my face. Uh, But I'm surviving, you know. I probably sound a little nasally, but with the deep voice, it doesn't matter as much, you know. Well, you got me beat there. I got a high pitched voice. Yeah. So, well, know. my my uh, the only thing my daddy ever gave me was a high a, a low a low voice, thankfully. So, uh, but man, let's talk about your story, dude. You're the chair of the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, uh, and you won that last year, correct? Uh, this year in March. Was it Was it this year? Okay, I knew it was. Yeah. I knew it was recently. Um, yeah, it's, uh, six months. Nice. Nice. Man. I was the uh, state vice chair before that. I was my district chair before that. Before that, I was this district vice chair, and before that, I guess I was my county party chair and then county coordinator. Sure. So uh, sure. over four years, I've kind of climbed the ladder. Well, and you live in an interesting state, man. I mean, you're you're really deep south. I mean, that's really that's you know when you when you think of Kentucky, you think of deep south, even if it's not all the way all the way down there. Uh, oh. You know, you guys got you guys got the whiskey, the whiskey rebellion down there. I mean, you guys are big whiskey state, uh, but you have this horrible governor uh, who is an absolute fucking tyrant. Um, And uh, but you also have, you know, a a senator and a congressman who are both very liberty based in most of the things that they do. Uh, But why don't you tell me about your story, man? Uh, Where where how did you find this great uh, ideology called liberty, man? So I guess my first exposure to libertarianism or liberty as a concept is just my grasp, you know, like my, my, you know, roots growing up. Uh, I grew up on a farm. My mother was a teacher. Uh, she retired after 28 years of teaching elementary school. Uh, my dad, you know, he's a farmer. My parents, uh, their parents had been farmers or, you know, tradesmen, things like that for generations going on back. Every once in a while, unfortunately, you get somebody like myself who gets into politics but, you know, the rest of the family still tolerates us. So, you know, I got that going for me. But, um, yeah, so what what exposed me to libertarianism, I guess, is just this culture of self-reliance, self-education that was instilled into me by my parents. Uh, neither one of them had ever been associated with the Libertarian Party. But they taught me about, you know, how the government's not there to do everything or really much of anything for you. Uh, if, you know, they're not going to come out here and pick up the hay bales or feed your pigs or take care of anything, really. Um, my mom taught me to read books, to pursue knowledge and information. My dad taught me how to figure things out when you didn't know how to do it. You know, um, he, he made a lot of his own farm equipment, engineered his own tools, kept everything running. Um, that kind of self-reliance and whatnot's really that sparked it. And then I got into, you know, middle school, started reading things like The Lord of the Rings 
So, you know, like Tolkien was one of my first anarchists I ever read. And then Henry David Thoreau right after that, because I love the woods and Walden and I read Civil Disobedience. And then it was a slippery slope to becoming an ANCAP after that. Sure. Nice, man. And, and you know, I, you know, I'm an, I consider myself an ANCAP uh, philosophically. Of course, I I kind of take a utilitarian argument sometimes when it comes to the state because uh, they're just not going to abolish themselves. Uh, but but let's let's talk a little bit about the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, man. So there's been some big changes there uh, over the last year for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. But you guys also face some 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 uh, interesting challenges in the state when it comes to you know the the tyranny that you're dealing with for for a southern state, man. But but why don't you tell me uh, what kind of changes the the Libertarian Party have gone through there in Kentucky and and what you guys got on the horizon? Well, uh, I guess it all started four years ago um, from my perspective because that's when I joined was four years ago. And what I noticed over those four years is a cultural shift in LPKY. Um, you know, there was a lot of people that would advocate, you know, that we, we need to focus on compliance and yada, yada, yada. And that's good, right? We, we have to stay compliant with the legal agencies that, that, you know, that corral us into the process, right? But they were so stifling at the state level that that's about the only level that LPKY had existed at prior. Uh, we had this wonderful designed constitution for an organization. Um, Ken Mullman was the, the main author of it. And we've got all of these levels within our organization that parallel the electoral cycle. You know, if, if you got local candidates, you got a local affiliate. You got congressional candidates, you got a congressional affiliate. You got the state party to run that top end, that air support for everybody else. And historically, there really hasn't been much of a focus within our party here in Kentucky. I mean, people would say, oh, yeah, we got to get county parties. We've got to run local school board, city council, go, you know, beat your drum at your local meetings. But nobody actually did it. Right. They just, you know, I mean, some people would sometimes, but um, we had had several county parties spin up and disaffiliate and spin up and disaffiliate over the 50 years that the party had existed. But, um, you know, I got Bullock County, which is my home county, to spin up. And currently it's the longest still living affiliate we've got some that have come back online that had been spun up prior but you know we've got bullet now um we've got a little over a dozen of them in all and we've got 120 counties in the state so the first big cultural shift was that you know we have to actually start building the vehicles the institutions these these actual structures these local organizations that could attract candidates that could rally a protest and that could have a voice in their community and so we're starting on that. And then second, the second cultural shift we had, um, that's what most people from the outside is seeing. You know, that's where our marketing, our messaging, the perception of, that we put out there to the other affiliates and to the rest of the world, that's what's really shifted as well. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds, it sounds like some big changes there, man, for sure. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so during that gubernatorial race, there was a lot of really mad people. Uh, at the Libertarian Party, man. I don't know. I don't know if you guys had more people mad at you than Shane Hazel had mad at him in Georgia when he ran for Senate there. And uh, I don't and, think so. He got it pretty rough. Dude, he got it bad, man. I mean, I mean, he was getting death threats and all kinds of shit. But you guys, you guys, uh, you guys covered the spread too, right? In 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 uh, Kentucky for the the gubernatorial race, correct? Yeah, yeah, we did. We got it uh, more than a couple times over on that spread. Um, John Hicks was our candidate. He's a good friend of mine. He lives about 30 minutes north of me. Um, I would like real quick to give a shout out to, um, you know, our comms director. I, I, for that change in our culture, communicate, that's all him. Uh, he, he's a little bit private, so I don't think he wants me to put his name out there. But, you know, that, that none of that credit goes to me. That's all. I him. can tell you that I know who he is, and he's awesome, man. He's great. Yeah. And and once once I heard that and realized that that's who was doing it, I was like, oh, this all makes sense now. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Step one, get a comms director with a background and degree in marketing. Step two, make sure they've read Mises. Exactly, exactly, man. Uh, so, so you know, everyone in the country is dealing with this COVID tyranny, man. I mean, it's it's real bad. Even even here in Iowa, where it was the you know the, the 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 mandates and everything were really light and it didn't last very long. Uh, we still had to deal with some of it, and you know, some of the restaurants still got screwed over and and stuff like that. But uh, what kind of challenges have you guys faced in in uh, in Kentucky, and what what have you done about it as a Libertarian Party? Well, um, what I've done and what I've faced, um, 
well, as you can see behind me, I collect video games. I got, you know, collectible cards, things like that. So my living is mostly online. You know, I got flexible work, flexible hours, that sort of thing. I'm basically an eBay seller, but I don't actually sell on eBay. It's other platforms. Nice. But um, yeah, and I travel and play in events. Uh, so that was a hindrance to me is uh, essentially what had been my bread and butter, you know, traveling, playing a magic tournament. So that was shut down. And that's because the company that runs those events shut it down. Um, although I'm sure the governor and the president and everybody else involved <laughs> had a big hand in that. But um, so, you know, that affected me pretty bad. And about the only other time I leave the house really is for either politics, groceries or church. And, you know, here comes this lockdown and this executive decree and it's Easter Sunday and I wanted to go to church. That's what I do. You know, it's uh, it's Sunday. Um, it, it's just without a thought, you know, just me and my brother hopped in the truck. Uh, my brother's my neighbor. It's really nice. I live uh, with a lot of adjacent family. And um, we went off to church because it was the only one open, one we hadn't been to in quite a while. Um, but it was one that uh, apparently I had been to as an infant uh, because, you know, I got family that goes there, cousins, relatives. And it's right down the road from where uh, my parents used to live um, before they bought or before they built their current farmhouse. Um, so, you know, we went out to Maryville Baptist and um, Pastor Jack, you know, he gave a sermon and everything, despite the, you know, like threats that he was receiving. And, um, you know, there are people who threw nails in the parking lot to try to disparage it. And the worst thing that somebody did to try to disparage that service was the governor himself sent the Kentucky State Police there to try to interrogate, you know, harass and ultimately take down the license plates and threaten them with uh, anybody who attended uh, with two weeks forced quarantine in their homes, um, which is a clear violation of the Constitution. 100%. Yeah. So uh, our state chair at the time, a lawyer named Chris Wiest, he represented me as um, a plaintiff in a lawsuit. Uh, and we haven't always had, you know, seen eye to eye. Um, he's, he's off doing other things now. Uh, me and him butt heads quite a bit. But, you know, he, he's got his good... He's got his bad. Um, I wish him the best, but I'm kind of glad he's off doing other things. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's fighting tyranny where he can, um, but, you know, he, he's he's no longer with the LP. Um, he represented me in that lawsuit. And there's another plaintiff, TJ Roberts, who might come up in this conversation later on. He was, um, you know, kind of he drove out specifically for the purpose, I believe, to be involved in a lawsuit. I was just there because it was crazy. Is church yeah. right and so chris represented us um he won on our behalf in the sixth district federal court which overturned the uh governor's prohibition on church service and out-of-state travel ban both of which definitely needed to be lifted and i think that those lifting up when they did really saved a lot of lives um that's something that people probably don't think about a lot or you know maybe on our side of things they do but not having your community center, not having your camaraderie, not having your faith, not having those things like that's what really keeps a lot of people saved and sane. and shutting that down is it's absurd. Yeah, um, you're going to lose more people from I mean, I, I don't know the exact statistics, but comparing covid deaths to the increase in abuse and suicide, that's definitely something that I don't think the governor even remotely weighed. Well, and if you look nationally, man, I mean, the, 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 you know, from, from ages zero to 20, there has been more deaths from suicide than there has been from COVID. So it's like, you're, you're harming our youth. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just no doubt about it. You can look at those stats. You can look them up. I'm not lying. I didn't pull that out of my ass. They're way more, way more. Um, so it's been, it's been, uh, hellacious on a lot of people, man. And then, and then, yeah, I remember there was that, that whole, there was there was uh it was several weeks maybe a month or so where they were really going after churches around Easter time dude and I was just like yeah of all the places dude you know what I mean like people are still going out to eat and shit you know and you guys are gonna go after these churches like why what's the point well I got on Good Morning America for a little clip it due to that and uh, they got my name wrong it says Randall Davis so oh, that, that, well. that's like the biggest media presence I've ever had I reckon nice. Uh, yeah, I got some threats in the mail. Um, part of it was because I had already filed to run as a candidate that way or that year. So like my address was public record. 
<laughs> oh, rough. Yeah, no, I know that's I know how that goes, man. I you know I do all my shit posting on Maine, and uh, and uh, I'm totally public too, man, because I've run for office a couple times, and I've just been all over the country. People know where I live, my address. I, I people send me shit to my house all the time, man. So I'm just used to it, and. Uh, you know, maybe some day some crazy stalker will show up and 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 make life really hard for me. But you know, knock on wood, I've been pretty lucky, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, the worst I've gotten is just some letters in the mail. Um, I've gotten way worse from that for the state for not paying taxes. So. Sure, sure, yeah. I, I imagine they'll come after me some sometime uh, for something too. But you know, the state the state's gonna do what the state's gonna do, man. That's how it works. Uh, but so yeah. so. So let's talk. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about some some drama that went on. I had uh, way back in the beginning of the show, a whole like four months ago, five months ago, I had a gentleman named Andrew Cooper Ryder on, uh, who had some pretty good things to say. I, you know, I thought he seemed pretty cool and stuff. But you guys got into some kind of uh, legal action going on there, man. What was that? What was that all about? All right. So uh, for context. Uh, Cooper Ryder came to us initially because he was looking to run for a city council seat in Lexington, which was the second largest, you know, is the second largest uh, city uh, here in Kentucky. Uh, you know, you got Louisville first, followed by Lexington. It's roughly about half the third of the size of Louisville. But, um, you know, Coops, his family has been involved with politics a little bit. His dad works for um, the he's the deputy director of Parks and Rec or something. And so, you know, he, he's not naive to politics right he, he knows a little bit about it he's looking to run he knows that he's in a hard blue district and so he wanted to entertain a run as a third party candidate because he didn't think a republican could do that and that's where he came to us from was that he wanted to use the libertarian party as a vehicle to get himself to a city council seat that he didn't think the, that the republicans could get him to so you know that that initially shows a lot of faith in what he you know viewed for the libertarian party um and i appreciate that but what i don't appreciate is the fact that he also wanted to try to change our platform to reflect his personal views. Mm. Um, and that was the first point of contention I ever had with the guy. Um, he recorded a debate that me and him had in his little warehouse of his cleaning business or whatever he had pre lockdown. And we talked for like two and a half, three hours about philosophy and principles. And at the end of all of it, he's like, I don't want to read all these books. Just give me the basics. And I'm like, you are self-owning. You have a right to life, liberty, and property. And if anybody violates that, you have a duty to defend yourself. And he didn't. He he didn't believe in um, natural rights. He didn't believe in um, much of any of it. Um, he, he keeps calling himself that he believes in liberty, but the brand of liberty that he's peddling is a totally different variety of liberty. He wants liberty for himself, and I would argue that he doesn't care about liberty for others in the same sense. Um, I mean, he, he's a lot better than most of them out there, I suppose, on liberty, because at least he's halfway advocating for the right thing half the time. Um, like, he's pretty good about the lockdowns. You know, he wants to end the lockdowns. And that's where, you know, me and him tried to cooperate. But that ended up just being an ego contest. He wanted my name initially on this lawsuit against the governor, Um because one, my name was on the prior lawsuit against the governor, and the other plaintiff from that um, didn't want his name on it. Um, and so um, one other libertarian um, who has also left the party since, um, and a Republican who used uh, who organized this grassroots movement called Constitutional Kentucky, there ended up being four plaintiffs on it. We filed for the impeachment of our governor, and we weren't really sure all of the process. Um, the guy that was leading the charge, his name's Jacob. He's a you know good Christian man. Uh, I respect him, but unfortunately, he's trying to do the whole. I'm going to get elected as a Republican and switch after the primary. You know what? Good luck. I mean, sincerely, good luck. He's an ANCAP, um, but you know, I, I think I'd agree with him on you know philosophy, principle, and all of that. Uh, I just don't. I don't agree with his pathway, right? But I wish him luck in it. Um, I'm not going to disparage him. Um, but, you know, they ended up getting my name on there because they wanted credibility within the Libertarian Party. They wanted credibility with um, the fact that I was a plaintiff on the previous lawsuit against the governor. This one cited that one. And the attorney who represented me on the prior one was actually, guy, actually the guy who wrote the uh, most of the impeachment paperwork. Um, I was under the impression that he was going to represent all of us in this. 
Well, as we kind of went down the line, um, because I'd already declared or because I was entertaining the thought of running against the guy for chair, um, he was upset with me. He didn't want to work with me. And Cooper Ryder, he didn't like me because I was calling him, um, you know, trying to debate him on philosophy all the time, trying to get him prepped if he did run as a candidate. I wanted him to understand that, you know, property rights are fundamental, that you are self-owning, that natural rights are real, um, that there is no social contract. Like, you know, it, it's um, objective morality, rationalism, all of that, right? And it, it just went over his head, I guess. He didn't want to read the, you know, he didn't want to go out and read Locke or Mises or anybody else. He just wanted memes at best. But, um yeah, we butted heads. Uh, ultimately, Cooper Ryder um, swayed Jacob not to um, engage with me as much. They'd block me from the calls. They were supposed to be like the petitioners. Um, you know, we would sit down, have strategy, talk about our responses uh, to the governor. They just blocked me out of the process. They, they, you know, ran me through the mud. And eventually, I just told them they could have it. And I went, hired another attorney, cost me a couple grand, and got, told the guy simply, you know, withdraw my name. He took a little liberty in his process, which I got even more flack for because he expressed his personal beliefs in some of that. And um, ultimately, he, he did what I hired him for. He got me out of there. And my intent was, hey, if you guys don't want to work with me on it, you don't require my name on it. You guys don't want my name on it. I'll withdraw. You guys lead the charge. I don't need to fight with you guys on this. You guys, if you're going to sue the governor, if you're going to try to impeach him, have at it. I want him out of there. Um, I'm not going to fight you over it. Do it. And then they, you know, they, they started coming after me hard because I withdrew. They're saying I was blowing up the whole thing. But the whole thing throughout the whole process, they always said, oh, you can withdraw at any time. You know, yada, 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 yada. You know, but. Oh, well, um, when it finally got to uh, as far as it was going to go to the Republican House, the uh, Republicans decided to set the precedence that a violation of the Constitution and a violation of one's oath of office is not grounds for removal for office because that would set the precedence of requiring to have to remove all governors in modern mm. and modern history because they're all going to violate the Constitution. Right. And so the supermajority Republican House, they didn't want to check the governor at all. And they even got a special session here recently to attempt to check him. They didn't. They don't care. They, the, the, there's no difference between a Republican and a Democrat here in Kentucky. Um, you got Dixiecrats, Democrats, Republicans, and McConnellites. Those are the four groups, and they're all horrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not individuals within the groups. You know, I mean, you, you'll get the random person. You know, any person you meet on the street, they're a good person, I'd imagine, right? But the political elite here in Kentucky, I'd argue they're probably some of the most corrupt in the world. Yeah, I, at least you're not like New Jersey where they have Democrats and then communists. That's all they got. That's it. Hey, we got like three communists. I mean, I can have a conversation with them, you know. But that's better than a lot of these um like COVID lockdown staunch like ooh. So what what are the lockdown? I mean, what 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 is the uh what are the orders like now in Kentucky, man? Have they have they Oh, uh, I don't even know. I ignore them all. I mean, whatever, right? Uh <laughs> I mean, are you able to go back to playing in your uh, in your uh, Magic the Gathering tournaments, dude? Yeah, so like, there's a, a lot of big events. They're not doing a lot of those right now. You don't see a lot of traveling, and a lot of that's because the manufacturer Hasbro they don't want people going out and doing a lot of that because uh, they don't want liability, right? If you advertise an event and somebody slips and falls, you might get sued, right? People are sue happy here in America, and I can get that. Um, but you know, I, I personally think that this is the sort of time that you kind of need to stand. And I think that, you know, sports, entertainment, the arts, gaming, like those are the things that really make life more than just brutal savagery, right? Like we can go out and work a field all day long and we can get all the food we want and need. But if that's all we do with ourselves, that's not much of living. That's just surviving. It's the arts, it's the gaming, it's the enjoyment, it's the communities and the interactions we share with other human beings that make life worthwhile. Um, so, yeah, um, there's some of them. Um, my girlfriend's dad, uh, he owns a card shop up in Louisville. I go out there, play on Fridays. Um, it's, you know, fun shop. Um, there's a couple others in town that do events. 
but there's not as much, you know, bigger money things going on. And a lot of it's migrated to online play, which is fun, but there's not really much price. It's just not the same, man. Yeah. I mean, you don't get like you and me in a speechless interface playing a card game is not the same as a sitting down across from one another and having a beer or socializing or. Well, and like, and well, and then here's the thing: like, you spend all this time building your decks for for the. I, listen, I'm gonna get into some nerd shit. Everyone, just relax, okay? I I also played Magic a little bit, okay? Uh, but you you spend all this time amassing and building your deck, like your physical mm-hmm. deck. That's like one of the coolest parts about Magic, right? Yeah, is like building your like uber deck that you're gonna go and destroy like like Neats with, right? Like all these all these yeah. new new losers, and so like. I don't know to even understand. Like, do you scan your own cards into the computer for this card game, or do you have to pick like cards that are already on the game? You know what I mean? Like, oh well, there's uh there's two avenues available to you. There's the old school Magic Online, which looks like it's a Windows ninety five right, application. Right. Um, it is a simulated table in which the cards are physically placed out on it. Um, but it's got a good roster. It's got a good interface overall. I mean, it's got every card ever printed and um but the nice thing about it is um it's a beautiful economy um that's what really like i really enjoy the economies of gaming and um you can buy sell and trade digital cards uh you can actually exchange digital cards for paper cards in a lot of circumstances on magic online and so there's a pathway if somebody wanted to as long as they got a computer they could probably make a living if they're you know able to solve puzzles and think critically just playing magic on that um and then here recently it was really good timing um they came out with magic arena which is like their phone app but you can also play it on a desktop the downside on it is um it's what you'd call a collectible card game rather than a trading card game so like you can't buy individual cards you can't sell your cards you can't exchange them with other players on arena but it's got a beautiful interface um that's a big selling point and you can play it on your phone so like you could be sitting there um, and instead of scrolling at memes, you could be, t- you could be grinding a pathway to the pro tour. Right. That's pretty cool, man. I, I haven't played magic in a long time and I don't even have a deck anymore, but Dude, I, I think about it a lot. It's free to play. Download arena. We'll play some. I might, man. I might. It's been a long, long time uh, since I played that. I used to play D and D too, which I played more than magic. Uh, and I and enjoyed it. Yeah, I I love it, dude. I think I think it's cool. Look, it's nerd shit, but it's fucking fun, dude. Have you ever listen? Have you ever? Do you remember being a kid and like going over to your friend's house with like four of you, five of you, and and spending like an entire weekend without sleeping and playing like a a d and d game? Like that's fun. it was fucking fun. <laughs> Drinking fucking uh, caffeine free Pepsi and like it was it was a good time, dude. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was that or Street Fighter. That was the other thing that we, me and my friends always did. We played Street Fighter. But I'm getting old. You know what I mean. Oh, well, I got, like, Atari games, like, right down there. Oh, yeah, dude. We played Atari, Nintendo, the first Nintendo. Super Nintendo was a big one. Uh, you know, Mario Kart. And then uh, uh, Super uh, Nintendo 64. It was all... I spent, like, an entire summer playing 007. Uh, literally an entire summer. It was, like, my friend's house. There was, like, 20 of us every single day yeah. in the house. And if you lost, you handed the controller off to the next person. That's how we played all summer long. Uh, and yeah. then... And then I spent an entire, I don't know, probably six months in front of EverQuest uh, before I finally ripped my, myself away from EverQuest and was like, I can't ever do that again. And that's why I never got into World of Warcraft. Evercrack is the reason why I never got into World of Warcraft, in case you guys were wondering. But, uh, so man, we really digressed from politics, didn't we? Yeah, dude. Hey, man, this show is all about it. It's, look, I, I started this show as a political show. I wanted to do a libertarian show. And then I realized, you know, if I back myself into the libertarian corner, uh, that's all I'll ever be doing on the show. So, you know, I try to talk a little bit about everything. I, I changed the the mission statement of the show from from uh, you know we're talking liberty, so sit down and buckle up because it ain't always pretty or whatever. It was some super shit before. Yeah. I changed it to you know it's uh, politics, culture, comedy, and music now. So so you know this is all this is all nerd shit. It's culture stuff. So uh, but I, I I have other people on too. Like I just had Ari the Rugged Man on big legendary hip-hop artist and um you know i i got i got people that aren't libertarian coming on the show all the time it's it's in in the in the base the people who watch it are great you know everybody's got different opinions and it's been a lot of fun man but what i really want to talk about before we finish this thing up here in a little bit yeah is is your favorite bourbon you live in kentucky okay you guys have the bourbon like highway there dude like i i I don't know what what the fuck do they call it i don't even know what they call 
what is it? The bourbon trail. Yeah, dude, I did that shit with Adam Kokesh, right? Yeah. And uh, I got to go around the, all these places. They got like Old Crow and uh, God, well, there was one that looked like it was like old. It looked like a castle, dude. It was so cool. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Of, oh, uh, the Kicking Chicken, which is one of my favorites. I, I, I love I love the Kicking Chicken, man. Wild Turkey. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm a big bourbon drinker, man. That's what I drink. And actually, they started here in Iowa. They started making their own bourbons, uh, really, because you know we got all the corn, so they might as well. But they got this, this. Yeah, uh, not, 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 it's not bourbon. If it's not from Kentucky, it's not. Bourbon. I know that's what they say, but they make this uh, at Nefarious in Clive, Iowa, and it's actually very, very good. And I'm a big bourbon drinker, and I do prefer Kentucky bourbons. Don't get me wrong, man. But yeah. uh, what what are some what so I can never remember the damn one that Ken Molman always brings to all the events, man. It's so good. OCD. Oh my god, it's like the best bourbon I've ever had in my life, dude. Yeah. Ever. Ever. So um, all right. So I'll give you some good bourbons, and I'll give you a Here, one here's that. A, I here's do. another. Here's another one. Here's some Basil Hayden's. That that'll do you right. That's good stuff. That's from Frankfurt. So um. I'm not super knowledgeable on alcohol. I don't drink too often. When I do drink, I don't like a lot of carbonation, so I'll go bourbon over beer. Sure. Uh, I don't drink often because um, it's bad for my eyes. Uh, I've got pigmentary glaucoma, so you know, like anything that affects like blood pressure or eye pressure, sure. it's pretty bad. But um, I've got a friend. He works at Buffalo Trace. Coincidentally, Buffalo Trace is um, you know my favorite. You know, cheap go buy it. You know, bourbon. Um, and then we've got, um, a libertarian who, uh, works with Willet. Uh, so I'm pretty happy about that. So, you know, like we got a libertarian over at Buffalo and a libertarian over at Willet. They're both in their finance departments. Nice. Uh, we got like six registered CPAs here in Kentucky that are registered libertarian and all of them work with bourbon. So, um, you know, I like Willet uh, and I like Buffalo Trace. Now, what actually sparked my involvement in politics was bourbon. Um, like the first political, like, you know, that I got involved with, what got me to, you know, spin up a county party was Jim Beam. Um, the worst yeah. of the worst, dude. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yeah. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's T-S-I-D-P-O-D. Dot com because the system is down and truth is taking over. So Jim Bean and a lot of other bourbon companies, they abuse our constitution. And that seems like an absurd statement. Like how can this private company come in and abuse the constitution? Well, they buddy up to politicians, pay for their elections, make donations, buy them booths at the Oaks and Derby and, you know, smooth them and all of that. Right. And then they work with the uh, local utility companies, which are the socialized institutions um, that, you know, they, they, they get one half of being privately owned. And then they also get this government subsidy in the form of the ability to abuse people with eminent domain. Sure. And that is my number one issue is property rights. Right. Um, you know, that, that's where you'll get me and Republicans really butting heads is that they're like, oh, we got to save America from communism. And I'm like, the constitution was a coup and we've been a communist country ever since Washington. True. Um, the fact that your property rights are not ultimate means you don't own that. Right. The fact that they can just come in and take your ground means that you don't own it. That's communist right there. Um, communism comes in all sorts of different shapes and shades and, you know, you, we can have the debate on whether or not that's good or not, right, about, you know, who should control property and all of that. Uh, I'm not trying to stigmatize the word communism, even though I think it deserves it. My use of it in this circumstance is that an advocation for the annihilation of private property rights is an advocation for communism. And that's what eminent domain is. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and I don't think any any private business should be able to use eminent domain to their in their favor that's for fucking damn sure excuse my yeah. language uh I, you know 
I get mad about it too. Yeah. And you know, here in my community, that's what Jim Bean does regularly, right? Like my judge executive here in Kentucky, that's your chief executive officer. They call him a judge. They have no, no law presiding or anything like that. They preside over a fiscal court. So like context is that Kentucky is the oldest state to join the, all right. So Vermont, they want to be the 14th state, but they were made out of, um, you know, properties yielded of uh, two others to create that one. So they're not really the first to join because they were comprised of, anyway, Kentucky joined. And so it's like all of these older English traditions. And so our fiscal court is, you know, our, our, our chief executive uh, presiding is called a court and that's called a judge executive. But here in Bullock County, um, he is a retired employee of Jim Bean. He got elected shortly before Jim Bean wanted to run a 13 mile um, pipeline extension that was going to run through a private nature reserve, as well as um, running through a bunch of DOD military families. Um, you know, like there's a colonel. He can't like <laughs> he would have to jeopardize his retirement, his pension, if he were to get really vocal about that. Right. Um, but at the same time, if he doesn't get vocal, he could just lose his property to eminent domain. True. So like talk about the politicians putting people in a rock in a hard place and they're doing it explicitly because they know they can. And Suntory, the parent company of Jim Bean, they're a foreign owned company. So like you got this foreign interest coming into our country, into our state, into our neighborhood and getting these corporate favors. Um, and I would, you know, like, I keep saying corporate, right? And that is the case. But I'd also argue that, you know, corporations are socialist institutions because they purchase special privilege right. in the form of LLC or cap liability. And so that's not a free market institution in the way it works today. Um, so, you know, please attach stigma to these corporations. No shit. Well, here's the thing. Jim Beam is swill anyways. I hate that shit. I can't drink it. But I did have a girlfriend who used to chase her Jack Daniels with Jim Beam, dude. She was savage. Shout out to Kayleen. She's like married with kids now and shit. She's probably way different, but she was a savage. She was an absolute savage. She used to yeah. she used to listen to like heavy metal music and slam shots of Jack Daniels with chasing with Jim Beam, dude. It was insane. Insane. Yeah. Well, you got to be careful because like uh, Jim Bean doesn't just make Jim Bean. They make all sorts of different bourbons. Sure. What are, what are some of the, I know, are they like the, they do the Four Roses and stuff too, right? There's some other ones they do. I'm not sure who all falls under which brands. I don't drink enough bourbon to, you know, like have to research every single one, but I'll check a bourbon out before I drink it just because I don't want even a fraction of a penny to go to Jim Bean. Um, I know other, like, I don't know of any, um, I don't know of any distillery of scale that doesn't have like pipelines ran to them. And I bet you money that every pipeline ran in this country probably had eminent domain for at least a foot of it. Um, it's crazy. dude. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, that's where we get the expression railroading. <clears throat> right? yep. And so, you know, my family's got this long history in politics and in Kentucky. And um, in fact, um, the original capital of Kentucky is called Danville. Uh, it's named after one of my ancestors. I'm so, a, I'm a I there's a Danville where I'm from as well. Let's address some of these super chats real quick. First of all, yeah, uh, <laughs> P, P, P Nord 87 uh, through a $5 super chat. He said, I can has build 1500 pound gazebos. Shout out to my homie Perry, man. Go, go follow Perry. Uh, he's cool shit. Perry Nord. Uh, let's see. Level zero dropped a $5 super chat. He says, does Randall have thoughts on the latest mass LP drama? Also, what color deck and strat do you run in magic? Um, well, I'll touch on magic first. Yeah, let's, uh, let's touch on that. And then we'll talk about mass. Cause that's a good, that's a good topic. So, so, um, I'm kind of in a unique position in magic, right? So like, it depends on the format. Um, if I'm playing modern or if I'm playing legacy, I like to play decks that have a very consistent win ratio over, um, long-term. So like I play death and taxes in legacy, uh, cause it's consistent. Um, and so if I'm going to go grind a bunch of tournaments, I can, over a series of years, um, net well off of it and understand it as it, you know, goes through meta after meta. And burn, burn is what I play in modern. So it's just mono red um, in modern. It is, or, well, it's actually Boros burn these days. But, you know, I've been playing it for years. But um, I go for consistency in those formats. Um, in standard, popper, and other formats like that, or commander, um, I'll just build 50, 60 decks. Like I've got the cards. Um, Jeez. 
like if, if I'm going to play standard, like the main competitive format, I will build every single deck in standard so that I can play every card and know every interaction and every single possible. I mean, if you're going to win, you have to know all of the pieces on the board. So sure. um, a lot of magic. Um, so what is the newest LP? Okay. Drop? Well, let's talk about mass. Okay. So, so, so we know we talked, we've talked extensively about the New Hampshire shit on my, on my show, which is, is really funny to me, uh, that you guys never had to deal with that shit, thankfully, but you also didn't have a fucking Sarwark in your state. Thank and thank your lucky stars. You didn't, uh, but now Massachusetts has kind of become this, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're worse than Texas, right? And Texas has been pretty bad on social media. Uh, but, but mass, um, has become so regime libertarian that they removed uh, someone from the party uh, for saying things that they didn't like on Twitter, which, first of all, is absolutely asinine. Yeah. Um, and then today, uh, from the uh, actual, uh, like, the, the legit libertarian party of Massachusetts page put out a call to action to go and rally in support of Planned Parenthood. What the fuck? Like, okay, look. The Libertarian Party has a plank in their platform that says we believe people on both sides of the of the abortion issue can hold good faith arguments uh and that and so therefore we basically don't take a position on it as a party. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I'm obviously pro-life. I've been very vocal about being pro-life. But uh the, the telling us to that libertarians as any good libertarian or something like that is how the how the tweet actually went um, yeah. would be down there rallying for you know uh, women's rights or whatever at the Planned Parenthood where they take tax money to kill babies yeah uh, is fucking insane it's very insane yeah. for a libertarian party uh, to, uh, uh, legit page to put that out but that they removed uh, this this uh, woman who goes by Rothbardian on uh who's a part of the Mises caucus down there in or up there in in Massachusetts I guess across from here um and uh removed her for saying things they didn't like on on Twitter uh she also they also blamed her for running the Libertarian Party Mises caucus of Massachusetts page um which I don't think she runs actually uh and so I don't know man what do you what do you see this uh this fight I mean so so obviously it's just another chapter in this fight between regime libertarians or blue pilled or beltway types, uh, and the, the Mises caucus, really, I mean, what do you, what do you see happening here, man? What do you, what do you, what do you feel about what they're doing over there in Massachusetts? That's absurd. Like, um, unless you're explicitly calling for violence against somebody, I, I don't see how you could ever be removed from an LP of film. Like even that, right? Like if it's half, you know, half hearted or joke, like, the absurd, like removing someone's membership seems ridiculous to me. Um, we have a process here in Kentucky. We've had one complaint on one member one time since I've been involved with the party. Um, and that's because somebody had an issue that somebody was a currently registered libertarian party member and was a police officer. And like, I can see where that can be a difficult career path to have as a libertarian. Um, but it's not grounds to remove somebody from the party. Think about how many, like there's somebody on the LNC that is, or was a police officer and he's a giant bitch, but no, please go ahead. That's okay. Hey, you know, this guy's actually pretty solid. Cause he, you know, he, he works within the discretion that he has and he advocates very heavily to his coworkers. Um, it's just, you know, he, he's real close to retirement and maybe that's a cop out, but, um, you know, he's, ran as a candidate he's principled and you know we didn't revoke his membership for being a cop i mean some people could argue that you know like if you were in the military or currently are in the military um or if you pay taxes or like where are you going to draw the line there right because if if you're paying taxes then oh you're condoning the system too and that's not productive for us to start purging people like that um you know, um, I think that this caucus infighting is getting kind of absurd, honestly. Like, why do why are we um, why is a certain group persecuting a certain caucus? Like, you'll see a little bit of it here. Um, but I mean, ultimately, most people in Kentucky, they don't even take a caucus. Right. Um, a lot of people nationally say that we're a Mises controlled affiliate. 
Um, well, we've got four members of our 11 member state XCOM that have a Mises caucus allegiance that happens to include myself, right? Sure. Like I, I, I have partnered with the Mises caucus because they bring volunteers and activists and energy to my state affiliate. Oh, they and you're a Mises guy. Yeah. Like I agree with the philosophy. I, I agree with the direction the party needs to take. Um, I think it absurd for like, let's say that somebody got a hold of the Kentucky Twitter and said, Hey, we really need to go out there and protest in favor of Jim Bean because bourbon is part of the libertine identity and we got a party hardy and um, it, it's, you know, <laughs> that would be absurd. Um, so I, I find it ridiculous for the, for mass. I can't say their name. Um, that's all right. Couple- that's all right. You're from Kentucky, man. Yeah, I mean, I can say Louisville. Yeah, you're not uh, you're not supposed to know how to say Massachusetts in Kentucky. I Massachusetts, think. I, I can't. You know, I've got a I got a cough drop in my mouth. I've got, um, but for them to go out there and say that we need to go out and support this uh, this socialized institution of the government that is doing something that is questionable on the moral scale within our own philosophy, like. When Texas passed that bill, our state XCOM chat here in Kentucky was a lot of back and forth because we, we've got about 50-50 split here in Kentucky about pro-life or pro-choice. Um, and it's kind of odd because you'll get a lot of uh, minarchists that are pro-life and then you get a lot of anarchists that are pro-life here in Kentucky. Sure. And then you get a lot of your more moderate libertarians. They tend to be the pro-choice people. Um and I know I just referred to the the minarchist as kind of radical in that dichotomy, but you know, like we'll accept them for now. Sure, sure. Uh, hey, look, I'm a pro life anarchist as well. You know, I think as uh, am I. Yeah, I I think that you know, murder murder is illegal for now, and it should be illegal in any society. You know what I mean? I feel that way. And so, if I'm a pro life guy, uh, and I I feel I could be consistent by saying that you know, even if I had a covenant community, we would make it illegal to kill babies. You know, that's just who I, that's just how I feel. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. but uh, I mean, it, it's, it's ultimately a judicial issue if it's going to be handled by government rather right. than a legislative one. Right. Um, and, you know, like, yeah, jury by your peers, um, settle these disputes amongst yourselves. Um, I, I, I don't see a law that outlaws murders going to stop murder from occurring. Uh, I don't see a law that stops abortions going to stop abortion for a, from sure. occurring. Just like how you can't say heroin's illegal and stop it. These are not things that I wish to participate in. Heroin's cool. But, heroin's cool, though, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Michael Ravel, uh, five dollars super chat, man. He's hella cool. He's uh, he's actually uh, one of also one of my uh, my patrons. But he says four roses, small batch, select bourbon for the money. I think it's great. Knob Creek smoked maple is the worst. Yeah, I don't like any of that. I don't like any of the. This is the only like flavored. I drink a lot of rye too, which you know they do. They do rye in Kentucky too. Um, yeah, I actually prefer rye because it's got like a kind of a sweeter finish, but it's a little more rough. Like it burns a lot more. Yeah, it's for yeah. and uh, this is the only the only thing I've ever drank uh, that's not just pure rye or bourbon. It's Basil Hayden's dark rye, and it's actually uh, Kentucky straight rye blended with Canadian rye whiskey and port, which is really good. Yeah. It's actually really good. Uh, if you like, if you like a little a flavor in your in your rye, that's the one to do right there. Trust me, Basil Hayden's dark rye. It's good stuff. Um, uh, O'Donnell for Liberty, Justin O'Donnell through a five dollars super chat. He said, "Red is the most libertarian color, and good people don't play blue." I don't know, man. What do you have? What do you have to say about that? Uh I like to play blue. Um, so, like, all right. I'm young. I'm I'm 28. I've been playing Magic since I was you know, like 16, kind of semi-professional to, you know, and it depends on how you define professional, right? Like it, it's kept my lights on, right? Sure. Like that, that's my minimum standard, right? But um, I like control decks. I, I prefer control over. Now I'll play aggro if I don't know all the variables, um, but. I like blue. It's a good color. Red's a good color. White's a good color. Black. I mean, all of them, right? Black, white, green, you know. Um, I don't know. I just love magic. 
Um, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh a lot, uh, and then I realized uh, oh, we just got really nerdy. Everyone, relax, relax. Oh, hey, look, look. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but that's just a bunch of like recent card listings I've done online. But you know, that's that's a fair stack of you. You, s- you sell these things online too, man. I mean, that's you really. Yeah. It's how you make your living, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, like uh, I used to have a brick and mortar shop up in Louisville. Um, I started that when I was 21. Um, I did that for about a year, had some employees. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was 21. Uh, eventually, you know, like it's stress was killing me. I decided to take everything I had. Like I took my ball and I went home. Um, it's hard running your own business, man. People don't understand that shit, you know? Yeah. Managing and, you know, like having people working with you, um, you know, having, you know, tax law. Holy crap. Screw that. Some right. Of, like I was some of us stay away from the tax laws. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, like I, I don't know, I don't have much lingering baggage from any of that. You know, it's been six years since I shut that down. But yeah, I just do online. It's a lot less stress. Sure. Um, I get to go to events. Like that was one thing that really broke my heart is that when I had a um when I had a brick and mortar shop and you went to go play in a tournament, right? If you're the guy who who is paying the rent on the building. Nobody really wants to play with you in the same manner. So you got to go to another card shop. But then you go to another card shop and you're treated like a predator, right? Like right. somebody who just walked in there who's going to poach their bed. I'm just here to play magic. I love the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm in my 20s. Like, let me just play cards. Yeah, leave me alone, man. I'm just here to play for sure. Uh, O'Donnell from Liberty threw another $5 super chat. He says he's been playing competitively, competitively since the Black Lotus uh, one opened in a booster or since the black Lotus I opened in a booster pack was still legal. I'm top 200 in mythic best one, best of one. Nice. Shit, dude. Um, my buddy, Anthony, he hit mythic, uh, t- today actually on arena is O'Donnell uh, the King King nerd. Is that what he just said? Arena? Oh no, he, he's higher rated than me currently on arena. So, oh. you know, like props to him. Um, I don't play a lot on arena. Um, we'll play on paper sometime. Yeah, you got to play. I got to set this up, man. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a special show where uh, over a camera where you and O'Donnell play each other, dude. That'd be sick. Dude, did you see Post Malone playing Magic the other day? No, but I did not surprise me at all. Post, oh, no, it's like he has been doing a tour of Magic related podcasts, playing Magic the Gathering with like the Magic podcast. I, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I love Post Malone so much, dude. So dude, much. You should have him on. Yeah, I love him so much. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, shout out to to Karen Ann Harlow. Sorry, Karen Ann. I, I usually read the super chats uh, first before I can get to all the other chats, and uh, I didn't realize you were talking to me. But I love you to death. Thanks for thanks for being my friend, and uh, I, I'm gonna fight. I promise to to get you back on that board. So, um, but uh, yeah, I uh, I love Post Malone, and I don't care what anybody thinks about me for it. Uh, I I started loving Post Malone. A couple years ago when I started looking into his old music before he rapped, uh, when he was playing acoustic guitar and singing. And I was like, wow, this guy can actually really fucking sing good. Um, But then what cemented it was at the beginning of the pandemic, when they shut down everything, he called a bunch of his friends over. One of them was Travis Barker, the drummer, obviously from Blink-182 and Aquabats. And um, and, uh, and, uh, he put together a live uh, show of four of them playing instruments and did an entire Nirvana set in, and they all were wearing dresses. And I was like, okay, dude, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And he nailed it. I mean, he nailed Kurt Cobain. He nailed all the guitar parts and it was loud and, and he was drinking and he was just, he just like a fun guy. Then he put out a fucking country song and I'm like, okay, this guy can do anything. I love this guy. Yeah. Then I found out that he's DoorDash's number one customer and that the majority of his DoorDashes were uh, uh, Burger King and Bud Lights. Uh, and yeah. so I was just like, this guy just gets better and better. Like, I, like he's become somebody that I don't just like, like the things that he puts out. Like I want to hang out with him and have beers and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I can't be mad at the guy I like post Malone. I think he's, I think he's amazing. I don't care what anybody else says about him. His rap might not be the best rap in the world, but he, he knew how to fucking make a dollar and he's actually a really good musician. Um, Ludwig von Mises pieces, the homie, what's up? He dropped $5 super chat. He said, interesting that you avoided the color yellow. Hmm. Yellow's not a color in magic. <laughs> I think I think he probably knows that. Uh 
Christian Vardy, what's up, man? Five dollar super chat. He said Randall is the Ted Kaczynski of LPKY in his underground bunker. Is that an under- underground bunker? Uh, no. Um, there is a fallout shelter on the hill I live on, but you guys didn't hear that from me. It's not mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I share a property line with Fort Knox Military Base, and uh, man, they are some really fucking bad neighbors. I hate them so much. Um, they like they will. Like sometimes my internet will flicker because they will blow something up. Um, yeah, no, it's awful. Um, they'll buzz my house with helicopters at all hours of the day and the night. Um, now it was funnier before I was involved in politics. Now I'm like, man, LPKY chat, like guys, if you ever don't hear from me and you hear about some training accident on Fort Knox. <laughs> You know, like, oh, we accidentally overshot this one training exercise. The tank shot something over the hill. Um, one casualty, civilian. So, yeah, that's how I'm going to end up going. Like, oh. you know, Biden's going to drone strike me because I've harassed Andy Bashir too much, I guess. Ah, oh, man, I doubt it, man. I doubt it. O'Donnell uh, for Liberty dropped $2 super chat. He says he's bringing his vintage cube to Reno, full power nine. So it sounds like you got a challenge in Reno, buddy. You better bring those cards. I will bring my cube as well. Oh, shit. We got nerd shit going on. I'm so stoked right now, dude. I'm going to be so preoccupied watching nerd shit that I'm going to forget there's a convention going on. I'm also running for vice chair of the national committee. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, so so it might be interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, you're, you're distracting from the magic talk there, Josh. Yeah, I know. I know. I know, right? Who gives a shit about your vice chair run, dude? We're talking about magic cards, yeah, bro. See, that, that, that's where we can settle a lot of this like uh, internal libertarian party infighting, right? Right, we just need to have Michael Heiss do a duel of Yu-Gi-Oh against Sarwak. You know, winner goes on to uh, lead the direction; the other goes to the shadow realm. Well, I guess Nick Sarwak will be glad it's not a contest to see who can chop down a tree with an axe. That's for damn sure. Uh, Randall, I'm a big fan of you, man. I love you to death, dude. We're getting close to the end of the the public stream. Uh, what do you got coming up next for LPKY, man? What do you guys got going on? Well, we've got an office down in Louisville now. That's a first for us. Um, we've also got more and more county parties spinning up. Our uh, District 3 party over there in Louisville, they're getting some energy and momentum behind them. They just came out of the state fair. Uh, got a lot of sign-ups. We've got a student group over at University of Kentucky, you know, UK. And uh, hopefully we can get one of those going a couple miles down from our office over at L. And... Um, you know, maybe we could combine that student group with that office space, turn it into a legislative research center as we prep into this 2022 election cycle. Somebody's got to start watchdog in Frankfurt. It's going to be us. Nice, man. Nice. Well, I appreciate what you do. Where can people uh, sign up, help you out, listen to you guys, follow you, all that great stuff? Well, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter. That's um, probably the best place there to follow the party. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I don't use social media a whole lot. It's hard on my eyes. Um, I'm going blind. So <laughs> I avoid Rocked. screens, which is why I'm not as good on, uh, you know, digital magic as I am paper magic. Um, but, you know, um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can have my phone number. Anybody who wants it. It's uh, 502-601-1973. Bro, um, I can't believe you just gave that out on my show. You are fucked. <laughs> the fakertarians watch this every episode so they can find out what they can use against me dude you're screwed they're gonna they're, they're gonna have people from england calling you at like seven o'clock p.m from now on oh that's okay i mean I, I worst case i mean my phone's always on silent anyway and i get thousands of messages a day regardless so it's wow. i mean worst case scenario i just set it down and never pick it back up well, man, I appreciate you to death. If you could just uh, hold on for a couple seconds, I will uh, I will get this thing closed out so we can start the members-only stream. Yeah. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Randall's cool shit, man. The The Libertarian Party of Kentucky is kicking ass. They're, they're great people, uh, and they've had some cool, cool changes down there, and uh, you should check them out. If you're in the area, uh, hit up Randall, and Christian Varney is also there. He's really cool. Uh, no, I do not play Warhammer 40K, but, I mean, I can. Uh, I'm going to read some of these little chats here when I can. Uh, but, uh, yeah, guys, uh, I appreciate you guys coming to hang out with us on Wednesday evening. Hope day. We made it. We made it. Uh, 
tomorrow on the show, I have my good friend Fritz will be on uh, from Fritz Cast. This guy's cool shit, man. He's a really good dude, and uh, I'm happy to have him on. I wanted to do the show on Friday. Of course, I was sick, so I couldn't. Uh, thankfully, I had a hole in this week's schedule that I could fill him into that I was going to have a day off. Uh, but I'm going to have Fritz on. And then on Friday, the big homie Top Lobster will return, and you will have a Josh Smith and Top Lobster show. Um, I am going to Disney World with the family uh, in like two weeks and four days or something. We, that, that big trip we've been trying to get scheduled. We got it scheduled, uh, the 10th through the 18th, which just so happens to be the, uh, 50th anniversary of Disney world. I had no idea when I was booking it. Uh, so it's going to be absolutely insane. It also happens to be in Orlando during Tom Woods uh, 2000th episode, which is on the 16th, I believe. So I will uh, be taking a stroll over there in the evening to say hi to all my good friends, including the first in-person meeting of Joshua Smith and Top Lobster. That's going to be cool shit. Uh, so you guys are, if you're going to be in Florida or around that area, definitely check it out. Um, check out toplobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, and my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great commemorative 100th episode Break the Cycle shirt that I'm wearing tonight that has every single drawing that he's ever done for any guest on the show, all uh, all all the guests that have been on in the first hundred episodes. Some of them were repeat guests, uh, so I can't say a hundred guests, but a hundred shows. It's a really cool shirt, man. I, I it, it you know kind of makes me want to cry. You know, I was, it, like I know that sounds really stupid and lame, but uh, I have I had the opportunity to have all these great people on my show in six months and make a bunch of cool pe- friends and, and fans. And uh, I appreciate everything you guys have done for me, but go check out top lobster and give the man your money. He's got great gear and you can get a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout, or you can join the Patreon subscribe star or become a member of this here YouTube channel under all of my videos by clicking join under them for like six bucks a month. Uh, you can get into a private discord server where you can get all of, uh, top lobster's new gear up to two weeks early before it goes out to the general public at like a 30 percent discount so like dude if you guys are doing like a five dollar six dollar a month uh patreon or uh or a subscribe star or youtube channel and you're buying top lobster gear you're actually saving money uh if you can believe that and he puts out new gear like every week or two and it's always good stuff man so definitely check him out and of course executive producer of the show anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs check them out today see what they can do for your home or your business, home, or personal life, they're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at, much cheaper and much more efficiently. Uh, I'm telling you, if you own a business, go check them out today. It, it really can help you. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Go check them out. They're wonderful people. Uh, a long time ago, I had Amy Lepore on the show. I should probably have her back. She's amazing. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow for the show with Fritz. If you want to come and hang out with us in the after-hour stream, hit join right now under your video, and uh, I will see you tomorrow. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. to explain the lyrics of my last song they seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse in the frame but i just stand in minecraft the helicopter part was in reference to gta 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit i am not an excuse because i just stand in minecraft what temper is my friend and he's constantly cold accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There are nothing I mean, you know it No product finish, cause it grows COVID Holy shit, I think I'm a poet In Minecraft